Welcome to the Humana 2 Podcast. I'm Adam Williams. Not long ago, I sent out the first Humana 2 email newsletter that I had done in nearly two years. I used to do it monthly, and now it had been two years. And so I did it with subtle, quiet purpose this time and just said, I don't know when I might do this again. I told people in the newsletter this. Then I ignored its quote success or quote failure, as in how many people looked at it and clicked on things, or how many ignored it and unsubscribed. I rarely post on Instagram anymore either. I quit Facebook for the last time several years ago. I don't bother with LinkedIn these days. That profile just sits there. I don't care about TikTok or any of the more recent whatevers. Twitter, I was there once. That's at least at least as cringy and savage and anxiety-inducing as Facebook is. And that's even before Elon Musked it up. Enough. A long, long time ago, enough. Instead, I spend more of my time creating and publishing. And then not really telling people about much of it. At least not pointing them to it. If they listen, they listen. If you listen, you listen. If you read, you read. And I appreciate all of that. But this is just where I am now. It's the place I think I need health-wise, emotionally, mentally, that space. I'm tired of jumping through external hoops for external approvals. That part has always been a struggle for me. I'd get sucked into, quote, the way to do it. As if there was only one way. As if there was a right way. The way that everyone else was doing it. Competing for attention based on the algorithms, the the rules of the games. And I'd feel unhealthy about it. I'd feel gross. I think a lot of you are familiar with this, this sensation, this struggle. You know, you watch for approvals in the form of likes and comments and shares and, you know, for the Humanity account, all things considered in the world. I mean, there weren't tons, but there are far fewer now, given that ever squeezing out of what I would say is humanity and honest connection and social in the social media algorithms. I kind of feel like a a sad, pathetic clown when I try to be something to match others' clownish performative ways. And in attempts to match even more others' attention-seeking performances, and all to try to fit into the algorithms de jour as dictated by the wizards behind the curtain. I think, but this is what I have to do if I want people to know about my work and to love me and to give me money and opportunities to continue this work. And But what if I don't play along? What if I'm not on Facebook? I'm just so tired of it all. Sure, there's been a three-year-long pandemic, which was unnecessarily made so much worse by the abhorrent politics and culture wars, the social ills that are all factoring into my fatigue, and I kind of just assume yours as well, but I'm tired. I'm tired of all that is false and unnecessary and preventable. The approval-seeking just wasn't always about social media, of course. It's not a new thing. Being chosen and lifted on high as angels sing has a long, long history as heralded authors of books and as high-profile journalists as those abhorrent politicians and tastemakers and influencers. Well, that's a word now. That's a, th- that's a whole other thing now. But you know what I'm saying. There was a season in my 20s when I was a journalist 
Not high profile, although I suppose that's relative. I also was writing a book, and I was taking on rejection after rejection after rejection for dozens and dozens of them. Several dozen of them from publishing houses and agents, only to ultimately cast aside the unfinished book, and essentially myself, as a failure for not getting their approval that would verify my somebodyness. Now what I regret is not that I didn't grab an agent and a publisher and get their agreement to validate me, my writing, my idea, all is worthy, though admittedly to have a published book or even a shelf of them over a career, that probably is pretty cool. And part of me still would like that sense of accomplishment, I think. But what I regret is having allowed those externals to be the end of that worthwhile effort. I regret not having finished writing the book just for myself, and especially for my sons, the sons that I now have. I regret not doing the work that called to me from within because I believed, like I think many of us do, that things only really matter if others tell us they matter. That was nearly 20 years ago. It takes a hell of a lot of courage to buck that belief system that we have swallowed and in turn have reinforced by insisting others swallow it as well. And in the years since, I've wrestled with this divide within myself about knowing what really matters in the creative life and in my life as a whole and what is about externals. What externals might I want to engage with or need? Surely there are some, maybe. And what externals do I not need to chase? What rat race energy can I step out of and slow down to feel my own flow? What social games are worth considering for potentially worthy benefits of playing, assuming there are any? These battles, these battles within, they are frequent and seemingly ever-present. I think we all play into this egoic chasing of identities and self-worth. We've socialized each other, taught each other the so-called rules. We all are part of the misguided games that undermine the best in ourselves and each other and all of us collectively. Recently, I finally started reading Richard Rohr's book titled Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life. Now, I had encountered that two halves concept, which actually dates back to the renowned Swiss psychoanalyst Carl Jung's popularization of it. I had encountered that two halves concept several times in recent years in conversations I've had myself or have listened to on other podcasts. Stephen Pressfield, for example, the best-selling author of The War of Art and many other books, has talked about Roar and the two halves of life. And I read and respect Steve and his work for many reasons. And so when he was on the Humanity podcast, I asked him about the two halves of life. And I knew at that point that I had to read Roar's work more deeply. And so I'm pretty grateful that now the time has come. And I want to share that here with you. I'm going to gist this concept, two halves of life, by pulling from an article that Rohr published on the website for Center for Action and Contemplation, which he founded in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I think decades ago. He wrote, The first half of life is spent building our sense of identity, importance, and security. What I would call the false self, and Freud might call the ego self. Jung emphasizes the importance and value of a healthy ego structure, but inevitably you discover, often through failure or a significant loss, that your conscious self is not all of you but only the acceptable you. You will find your real purpose and identity at a much deeper level than the positive image you present to the world. 
In the second half of life, the ego still has a place, but now in the service of the true self or soul, your inner and inherent identity. In the second half of life, we discover that it is no longer sufficient to find meaning in being successful or healthy. We need a deeper source of purpose. Now, for a while, I have felt less and less willing to go against myself and play that attention-seeking game because I think I should. And just because someone creates and shares their work publicly, it doesn't mean it's about attention, that it's about vanity. I've written on the blog and talked on the podcast before about why I share. I do want people to read my writing. I do want people to take interest in my photography and visual artwork. And I do want people to listen to my podcast. But I hope that I'm done chasing the approval of it. I say hope in full honesty. The socialization that we are all part of is so powerful and it's so consuming. I think you probably feel that too, right? It's a lifelong struggle, a practice to break free from it. As these humans that we are, we fall back on what we've practiced most. And we've all been swimming in these egoic identities, the social competition waters, for such a long time. But to get attention for good or great work, the marketing and branding of ourselves takes far more energy than we get to put into the creating and the self-study that we get to dig into when we are creating. It takes more resources to hype a crowd or even to draw a crowd to our work to begin with than to do that work that we want everybody to know about. So right now, I think I just want to think of it like this. I'd rather die an old man who lived and loved a creative life and was prolific in his work than to make only a fraction of that work and then spend the rest of my time encouraging others to determine its value for me. I'm good at the things that I do. I'm especially good at that creative work, considering I spread myself across several mediums. I don't specialize as much as I envy those who do and are able then to become otherworldly amazing by doing so. I've learned that's not who I am. Such a single-minded focus is just not the work for me to do. I have love for knowing and expressing myself in a variety of mediums. I've learned that and I embrace it. And still, I am damn capable in each of those veins of creating. I invite people to come along. I welcome you to. I hope that what I create can ripple light and positive impacts for you and for others, truly. But more than ever, I'm aware of my standing in this second half of the spiritual life. As it's described by Rohr and Jung and mathematically in terms of my age, And I don't have time to chase social media likes and status-making magazine editors and book publishers that might count as feathers in my cap. I don't even have enough time left in my life, though I'm still young at 47 years old, to create and learn and express all that I feel is within me. My urgency is shifting. It has shifted from pleading for attention to creating against the clock of this life. Should opportunities come, I'm always open for the conversations. Always. Should they not, because I didn't prostrate myself at the feet of gatekeepers and tastemakers and these soulless digital algorithms, then they have failed to know me. Not because I didn't do the work or do good work or share it publicly. I do all those things. I just am doubtful that my work must include relentlessly or desperately chasing others and trying to persuade them to care about it. Listen, as a teenage boy, If I was interested in a girl, but she wasn't sure about me, I didn't do that Hollywood romance thing of pursuing her. Fuck that. To me, anything that's not a yes is a no, and you've only got to tell me once. I'm gone. If a girl didn't know I was interesting and worth her time, then I was turned off. 
If she couldn't see me, I wasn't going to hang out hoping to be seen, trying to persuade to be seen. Hell, my own wife, Becca, who I've now had a wonderful relationship with for 20 years, initially rejected me, preemptively. We were grad school classmates, and when she thought that I might have an interest in her, for whatever reason she thought that, she preemptively dismissed me by encouraging me, unsolicitedly, to ask out the girl I happened to already be dating at the time, unbeknownst at the time, to my now wife. I mean... Yikes, right? Unnecessary rejection. But heard loud and clear. And after that, I never would have asked her out. She never would have become my wife. But a month later, she woke up crushing on me. Out of the blue, she still says. She asked me out for drinks. But that dips into another story for another time. So it is known to me by me and now you that not only am I tired of the social games, I only ever really was begrudgingly into them, if at all. If the algorithms and editors are not interested, then they fail to know me. I don't fail to persuade them to know me. That's not my work. That's how I see it. So I vow to myself that I will never again fail to know myself in response to others not taking interest in my work, like that book so many years ago. And I will not fail to let my sons know me through my work either. I will not shelve my worth upon the piles of external rejections again. I will finish my work regardless. I vow to myself now to always do the work and let the outcomes fall how they may. So, I proclaim it aloud here to you so that I hold myself accountable to that. And here's to wishing you the same. Should you be in this second half of life with me? Should you have any idea or interest in what I'm talking about right now? Should you feel what I'm saying and be joyful in knowing that you are not alone in this life? Here's wishing to you the same. Now on we go second half of life. Thanks for listening to the Humanity Podcast. I'm Adam Williams, and thanks for however you might be sharing it with others, through word of mouth, social media, and by rating and commenting on it on Spotify, Apple, or wherever. Remember, at heart, we're all Humanity. Stay true, stay human, and stay Humanity. Together. Together.